0: Welcome, welcome to the Hoop Dreamers podcast. This is your normal host, Elijah Williams. Today, I'm joined by a very, very special career professional. Um, This guy right here is a native of Eastern Kentucky, graduate of, of University of Louisville, did some time at Florida State as well, and is now working as a scout in the NBA for the franchise that just so happened to have the number one pick in this year's draft, everybody, please give a warm welcome to Michael Brooks. Mike, really appreciate really appreciate you hopping on, man. Happy to be here. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Like I said, now working as an NBA scout for the Orlando Magic. Um, was a student manager. During his time at the University of louisville, um, did some time as a graduate assistant at Florida State then you know quickly started to rise in his career as a as a in, in the in, in the basketball industry, starting off with team USA, then transitioning over transitioning over to operations with the Brooklyn Nets and now, like I said, with the Orlando magic um, and Mike. You know, the the main audience of of this podcast is Hoopers with with big dreams. And most of those dreams include, you know, playing in the NBA. So throughout this episode, I want you to talk about the ins and outs of how NBA franchises evaluate amateur amateur talent by using people in your position in, in the scouts. Um, what these amateur hoopers could do to best prepare themselves for their hopeful NBA evaluation process um, and how that ultimate decision in the NBA draft, which could alter the livelihood of both the franchise and the prospect is made. Is that cool with you? Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. And obviously we, we, people in general know, you know, what an NBA scout does. You travel, watch their games, this and that. But could you just give us a quick glimpse into what the day-to-day is like as an NBA scout, both in the offseason as well as during the season?
1: Yeah, I think during the season, um, obviously, you know, things come in waves. There's, like, the start where – You know, you're trying to gather as much information as possible. You feel you have, you know, kind of like a wider fence, a wider net you're casting. Um, And you kind of narrow it down as the season progresses, right? You kind of know how your team's doing. Um, So, you know, kind of like around where you're going to be picking. You kind of get a feel for the market. You kind of just watch and try to gather as much information as you can. Um, Going to the games is, you know, a big part of what we get to do. fortunate to get to do that. and try to use that as a touch point to gather more information, bring back to, you know, to the group. um, And you kind of know how the process goes from there.
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, now we've gotten a glimpse into what you're doing now, let's shift it all the way back to your childhood. Back in your days in Eastern Kentucky, just to, you know, kind of put yourself into the shoes of the Hoopers tuning into this, um, and, you know, kind of getting an idea of, you know, what we want to get from every guest. And this is an essential question on this podcast. So as a child in Eastern Kentucky, as you were growing up, what were your hoop dreams or where'd you see yourself going with the game of basketball?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think when you're a kid, right, like everybody wants to be, you know a professional basketball player, I think when you grow up playing a game five six like that's your dream right um I don't know when exactly it was that I probably realized I wasn't gonna be doing that <laughs> um, you know, I, knew I wanted to, I knew I wanted to work in a game yeah. I kind of had you know I had an idea that I wanted to just you know be around it the rest of my life and coach mm. um and ultimately that that's kind of what it what it transitioned to for me I, I kind of wanted to get into coaching and that's kind of what led me you know, to be a manager, I just kind of had a passion for the game and and wanted to, you know, stay
0: involved, stay around. For sure. For sure. I mean, speaking of staying around it, you you went on to become a student manager at the University of Louisville under Rick Pitino, Uh, was there when they won that, you know, now vacated national championship in 2013. Uh, Did some time with the men's basketball program at Florida State as well then, as I stated before, went on to work with Team USA, but specifically with those youth national teams, U19, U18, et cetera, et cetera, uh, as well as the Nike Hoop Summit. So, you know, throughout that time before, you know, you went went on to join the Nets and started your uh, professional career in the NBA, you were working with, or you were working with and around the best prospects on the amateur level that this country had to offer, right? And a really interesting thing that I wanna bring up is, you know, once those, I mean, some of those prospects end up, you know, having a good career in college or wherever they go after high school and getting drafted, right? However, those videos that you see on draft night, when that prospect is picked, Is mostly from you know the most recent team, the college, overseas, the their their forum, whatever it may be. Those videos don't really represent when the NBA scouting and evaluation process began. That process begins could begin long before those videos that you see on draft night, right? So for an NBA franchise, at what point? in an athlete's career, give or take, could that process actually begin?
1: Um, I mean, I think it be it depends on the stage that you play on, right? Um I think now that you know they've opened up more and more access for us to see guys at a younger age, um, definitely guys are being exposed to scouts, you know, early like 15, 16, uh some 14 year olds, depending on, you know, around that range. Um I think it's just important to, like, you know, keep in mind that there's always people watching, even probably before that, you know, um, just kind of try to be the best, you know, best person you can be. And and you don't really have to worry about when you <laughs> when yeah. you're being evaluated. So.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and could you speak you know directly to the Hoopers tuning into this? You start to get at it a little bit about, you know, what they should be doing now. To best prepare themselves for that hopeful NBA draft uh evaluation and, and, and scouting process. And as you just said, it can happen at pretty much any age at this point. So what can they start to do at the youngest age possible, whatever age they're at now, in order to prepare themselves for that process?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know. I- not being a former player, um, just kind of outside looking in, I, I would just say to like, just put the work in, right? Um, you don't really know what's gonna what's in front of you when you're 15 years old. Um, so, you know, just trying to grow as a person, trying to, you know, recognize areas of uh, opportunity in yourself to grow, um, try to be, you know, a good teammate, good person, all of those things and work on that um, just as much as you work on probably your skill development.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, character is a is a huge part of the of the process. You know, it goes way beyond your talent. Um, and that's really at every level, right? For sure. But on on, on the college level, the way for those coaches and, and scouts or whoever's a part of that process, the way that they can get a glimpse into the character of a prospect is simply, you know, getting on the phone with them, the text messages visits all the the formal interactions that they're allowed to have which you as an nba scout you probably don't get nearly as much of that so how do you go about getting a glimpse into what a prospect is actually like as a person and what their character is like and how they respond in certain situations
1: yeah you know i think you grow up and you build relationships with people um and you know being a former, you know, uh, former member of like Florida State and Louisville and other places, you know, you have people you can talk to, um, to get an idea of, of who the, who, you know, who people are. Um, I think you never really truly know somebody until you get the opportunity to get to know them. So part of the job is just, you know, trying to learn as much as you can about somebody, um, and understanding that everybody has their own perception of somebody else, right? You got to create your own kind of like perception of that person and what you believe to be true. And, you know, kind of how you see them. Um, yeah, I think that's, you just try to gather as much as you can, you know, there's articles on players, there's news stories, their own interviews, you kind of watch how they interact with people. Um, even going to games, you know, that's kind of one of the values of going to games, you get to see how they kind of interact with their teammates and how they interact with coaches and are they, blo- you know, all of those, those little details. Um, yeah, I think you just try to find different ways to be creative and, and gather information about guys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, you you gather that information via the people that are in their circle or anybody that they've um, interacted with, really. I mean, it could be teachers, coaches, managers, as you know, Uh, it could really be anybody. And, you know, when you all get to go to the games and see them in person, like you said, you're looking for. Components of their character that you can kind of see on and on and and right around the floor, interaction with coaches and things like that. Are there any other things other than what you just mentioned that you look for on the NBA level um, when you're going to watch these games?
1: No, I mean, I think when you grow up around basketball and you've, um, you know, you start to create now that I'm getting more experience with this, starting to create kind of my own database and my own, like, you know, this is what I'm looking for in a player. This is what I'm looking for. Um, this is going to turn me off of a guy, you know, or this is, you know, what I'm more so looking for. And this is what the organization is looking for. Um, I think, I think it's, it's a case by case basis almost in a sense. And, I, and, you know, um, yeah, that that's, that's probably the best way I could sum it up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the utmost utmost pressure is on any franchise that has the number one pick in the draft, right? And this year, it just happened to be the team that you're working for in the Orlando Magic, right? And And, and with that being my hometown... I'm I'm a part of, I'm admittedly a part of that pressure as well. Like I want to see the team do well. I want to see the city thriving and, and, you know, this and that and the other. You all, in most people's eyes, kind of went an unexpected route. I was thinking, taking Apollo. Um, And, you know, I I just want to get a glimpse into what kind of makes this draft different from others, if if there is any difference from the scouting perspective, right? Is there any difference in the way that you all go about scouting when you have a high pick versus if you have a lower pick or no pick at all?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that goes back to the earlier question of kind of like what's your day to day like, right? So during the beginning of the season, you probably don't maybe, you know, depending on your, who you are as a team, um, you know you can kind of be honest with yourself right and project to we're going to be pretty good or we're going to be picking like towards you know top half of the draft so you kind of start knowing okay these are the guys you know that are projected picks and so you know you got to check those boxes and, and see those guys but you're just kind of evaluating throughout the year right and so as you yeah. get closer you kind of narrow it down you know you know where you're picking and you know where guys are projected to go um you know where you value guys internally so I think it's all of those things kind of like coming together. Um and you know, things can change really quickly in the NBA. You see guys mm-hmm. trade their top picks or trade low pit. you know. You yeah. never know what to expect. So I think you got to kind of approach each year the same, um and just try to gather, like I said, gather as much information as you can and then as you get towards the end of the year, kind of narrow it down.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And, and and speaking of kind of making unexpected picks, you know, you, you see some cases, you know, and it could especially be early in the draft, where teams are are taking guys that didn't really perform well in the public eye, but are still, you know, earning that chance of being a high draft pick and you know, at least eventually becoming a key component of an NBA team. You know, a lot of those a lot of those descriptions that people give those kind of picks are just like high ceiling or high potential picks, you know, guys that people, people see get drafted and it's just like, yo, this guy was averaging single digit points and, you know, shot this percentage from the field and this and that, but they may have all the tools in the world to become something that the NBA execs is seeing them. Right. What is from, from your perspective, being in those front offices, and especially this year, you know, being in the front office of a a team that had a high pick, what is going through the mind of those NBA executives when they're making those high potential picks or picks that they know they're going to end up stashing for the long-term future?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, each, probably each team is different, right? I don't think it's a, it, it all comes down to people. So, you know, um, my boss is different than somebody else's boss and and vice versa, and they we're all different people. so it comes down to people making decisions I think and and um, what they value and what their teams value and what you know organizationally how they value things and so you look at those guys that maybe have higher ceilings or like projected higher ceilings that maybe didn't produce as well. it's like you know well that's one team's appetite for that guy that might not be the next team, right and so that's yeah. why you see so many different oh wow this guy went here oh this guy went there you know it's just everybody has kind of their own opinion um and you know I I think everybody at the end of the day is using the draft as as a vehicle to get better right that's the that's the point of the draft is it's opportunity for all these teams to get better and so those teams that go with a higher upside guy they're you know that's they see that as their avenue to to improve and I think that that, in itself, you know, sometimes things play out, and sometimes they don't. It's just like anything in life you know yeah. it's, it's, you're you're dealing with people, some people work yeah. out some people don't so it's, yeah
0: exactly you know,
1: i don't I don't think there's any one any one way um any one right right way gotcha
0: and and you know social media can play a huge part in the perception of a prospect, right I mean, in a lot of cases, you see whoever has the most mixtapes and interviews and followers and this and that is supposed to be the best player. But that's not even close to always being the case. And, you know, with NIL and stuff, I mean, these athletes can become the faces of a brand well before they even are eligible to become the face of an NBA franchise, right? And there are a lot of prospects that even lean on Their social media presence to hype themselves up has the recent changes with nil made any shifts in the nba draft scouting and evaluation process and how much weight does that media and you know outside opinions in general how much do those things weigh in a franchise decision when it comes to uh the draft and what well before that, as you're scouting and evaluating these prospects yeah
1: i don't I don't know if I could speak to the weight just because like I kind of how I alluded to like just where people are so different um yeah, but you know i I think the and I all that stuff it's just another um it's another uh piece of data it's another it's another you know touch point it's another thing to to kind of evaluate somebody on right it's more information to gather how do, how do people handle those things how do those mm-hmm. you know what are they using that that opportunity for um but it's just you know it's just another piece of information i don't think ultimately like it, it's a determining factor one way or the other um but i think you know it can be damaging right if you do something silly on social media like mm-hmm. i think it, i think it's been proven multiple times like yeah it's just it no matter what you put on there at 14, 15, back to your like first question of when, how early can you be evaluated? You know, like yeah, people go digging for your stuff on social media. So I think yeah. like whatever you post, you just, you just kind of have to be smart about it. And I think mm-hmm. it's just another, it's another way for us to see you kind of mm-hmm. like what you portray yourself to be. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's not, you know, social media, it's, there's a lot of fake to it too. So for sure. I, I don't want to say like hold significant weight.
0: Gotcha, and and what about you know the kind of things that you see on even like the actual sports media like ESPN, you know you know whoa just got this guy going to first pick and and fifth pick and this and that, all these mock drafts that are out there, how big do those kind of media outlets, how 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 big is their role in that evaluation process because you know a lot of the prospects who are hoping to get to the league, they could be weighing in on those things and when they're making their when they're making their draft decisions, right? And especially at a younger age, you know, these mock drafts are coming out at a younger, younger age, it seems like every year, they could be looking at those boards and saying, yo, I can be, I'm, I'm a projected first round pick in 2028. You know what I'm saying? So how how big do those things come into play when it comes to how you perceive these prospects?
1: Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's a, a, that's like individual basis, but I think like you know, I, it's just all of that, all the mock drafts, all that kind of stuff is information you kind of have to digest, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, you might see it how much it sways you. That's 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 on an individual basis. Um, but you know, I, I think how how players and how people look at it. I think the biggest thing with it with the mock drafts. Cause that's a tricky, That's a tricky question. I feel like um, some players might look at it and use it as motivation, right? Some guys might look at it and think they've arrived. So it depends on how you, it depends on the person. And I think yeah. if you um, get caught up in, in people's perception and like other perception, you, you know, that can be, that can be a uh, tricky.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Think, yeah. I'm trying to think Yeah, I think that's the best way to word it. Um, yeah. 'Cause at the end of the day you have to like go play the games, right? You see guys that are underrated or not, whatever. Um, we all kind of start watching guys at that same age. And so you're forming opinions on guys before they get to college a lot mm-hmm. of time. Um, yeah, you kind of watch guys develop and watch them grow. So
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and we can we can we can finish off with this last question. You know, visibility is a big part of the process, right? I mean, you have to be seen in order to be evaluated. And there are a lot of people out there, a lot of hoopers out there who are worried about going to, you know, uh, a low major D1 or D2, D3 overseas, whatever it may be. A lot of people feel like if you're not playing in a top league overseas or if you're not playing in like a blue blood program, it'll be tough for you to be seen by these NBA scouts. Could you speak to the young hoopers out there who are worried about that kind of stigma out there in that, you know, their chances of making it to the NBA are lower simply due to them going to a school that may not have as big of a brand or viewership?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think like, there's names that are more recognizable, right? Like you went to Duke, I went to Louisville, um, but like some, you know, smaller schools, like you see guys in the NBA that are all-stars that, you know, came from, you know, not, not somewhere that people still don't know about. Um, So I I don't, I don't think, I think it's just hard to make it to the NBA. I think it's hard no matter if you're at D3, D2, no matter what level d1 international whatever it is it's just it's a it's a hard league to get into and, and to stick in and i think um every everybody's road is like they're as tough as they can manage mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> right so like you start if you're starting at a d2 place or you're starting at low low level d1 or mid major whatever it is like that's it that's just your path that's how you got to you know wherever you get to but mm-hmm. i would say like as scouts, you you look at every every level. I mean, you've seen guys coming from JUCO, you've seen guys coming from every different level. Yeah. Um, just it's just a tough league to make.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it definitely is. And and hopefully, you know, one of the one of the some or one of the young hoopers tuning into this episode can be the ones that you end up scouting very very soon, right? I mean, you spoke a lot of invaluable advice during this episode a lot of things that can change the way people see themselves and see their path. Right. I mean, that, that's the, that's the point of this podcast. And yeah, we definitely appreciate you hopping on and sharing that kind of information, man. Hopefully we can get you back on soon. Um, we'll definitely hit you up next time. I'm in Orlando. And yeah, man, thank you again for hopping on.
1: Sure, man. Thanks for having me. It was great.